had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. I'm in love with Could you. make me be true. Snap out of it. Could make me be true. The magnificence that comes out of your eyes and your voice and the way you stand there and the way you walk. You're lit from within, Tracy. It had to be you, wonderful you. It had to be you. Hello, romantics. Welcome to A Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and where it's it's uh it's pride month and so uh the reason why i want to do this mini series now is so that it would fall um or pride month would fall uh in the middle of it and so here we are um continuing the queer romance mini series um and i have a really exciting guest someone that i've been following has been reading their writing and just been really excited to have on the podcast so i'm very excited to welcome priyanka bose they are an indian american writer and artist uh based here in new york uh and uh their writing is found um at the av club and catapult the takeout and a lot of other places so please uh welcome priyanka thank you so much for being here Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and excited for the film that you chose. Um, and uh, because it's a, I think it's like a seminal movie in in queer cinema. In fact, I was reading about how it's like the first, like the first like indie or like the first like feature length film about like lesbians and queer women. Um, which seems crazy that it was not, it was barely, you know, 40 years old now. So uh, I, I think it's like, what, 30, 35 years old. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's almost 40 years old, I guess, but almost, that still feels like too recent to be the first, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy to think about. Um, but would you please introduce the film for us today? Yeah, so uh, the film we're going to be talking about today is Desert Hearts. It is a 1985 film. um, And like you said, it was the first film to really focus on um, a lesbian love story with a happy ending um, for mainstream audiences. And it took, I think, seven years for the film to get um, funding to come to life. Um, So, you know, it took a while it to be made but um you know the screenplay was written by natalie cooper um and it was directed by i think donna deitch is how you pronounce um Mm. her last name um and it was really kind of an act of love and you know shot on a pretty shoestring budget funded by um just some really passionate fans and artists and you can really see the love um that comes through you know one of the things that really draws me to this film is the quiet intimacy of it it's a period piece even when it was filmed because it's set in 1959 reno nevada um and it's about a uh kind of repressed english professor um, who teaches at columbia university who has come to nevada to get a quickie divorce and the kind of context is that at this point in time i believe no fault divorce was not a thing Mm -hmm. so people would have to leave um and live in another state in this case i guess nevada was a popular destination um to get residency and kind of make the divorce official so she shows up in reno by herself the city girl um, on this ranch uh, to kind of start a new life. And she's staying at this ranch where um, the ranch owner has this adopted daughter. It's not clear right off the bat what their relationship is. And she's kind of immediately drawn to her. Um, and it's what's so interesting to me is that like they never really shy away from the fact that there's like attraction. Um, but through the course of it's like an, almost a tight 90, it's an hour 32 um and it and it kind of progresses this story of these two women Kay and Vivian um and it's really compelling it's it you know doesn't waste a minute and it's so simple and it kind of draws you right in yeah um I I really liked I like this movie I didn't 
it was one of those like titles that I'd always heard about. And for some, it's, I felt like it had, I don't know, for some reason I had a, like a different perception of what it would be like. Um, and uh, I, guess, I guess I thought it was like a, a road trip movie. I don't know. It was one of those things where like, I think I just had this like misperception and then I didn't end up watching it until like, I think a year or two ago. I, I must've watched it on HBO max or max, I guess. Um, and uh, I really liked it. And I was very surprised by just like how like natural and grounded and just, it, it felt very, just like a very like sweet and sad, but very kind of funny and engaging film. But um when was the first time you saw the film and do you remember like what your reaction was at the time and how it's evolved in the last in in the year since yeah so i believe i watched it for the first time i want to say like five or six years ago so i didn't really um realize that i was queer till i was in my mid to late 20s and before that time i didn't really have any sort of awareness of queer media didn't really know to seek it out you know i'd seen a couple films in college as part of film classes but like my knowledge of like the cultural lexicon was like pretty limited but um, once I did have my realization and I was starting to learn more, I was actively kind of seeking out content. And then just in general, being a film buff, I, you know, subscribed to the Criterion channel. And I think at that time, Desert Hearts had just been added to the Criterion collection and it was streaming yeah. um, on their platform. And it was one of like several recommended films and just the name of it desert hearts and you know made in 1985 the story um there was a still that was featured and i think it was like the scene before they kiss for the first time so it's like a very compelling image so that immediately caught my attention and i was still kind of sneaking around like you know my family didn't know i mean we, we still don't really talk about my queerness but I I was kind of like, uh, I felt like I was hoarding like little bits of queer content, queer media. So, you know, I pulled it up on my laptop, I watched it in my room, and I was just kind of immediately drawn in. It really kind of felt, you know, I was doing it by necessity, watching it in secret, but it also kind of felt like a good way to experience it for the first time, because Vivian, the professor, um, she's operating from such like trepidation. She's so nervous. Um, and it's, it's not spoken, like it's not explicitly stated, but at the beginning of the film, when they ask, why do you want to get this divorce? She says, I want to be free of who I've been. And that really resonated with me. Just like the way she's so cagey, her body language um, I felt cagey at the time because I didn't really fully accept who I was. And I felt like I was on that journey with Vivian of like loosening up a little bit. And, you know, obviously someone in 1959 is living a very different life yeah. than I was in 2017, but it felt like the right film for me at the right you know, time. And um, I, I felt like it was really the first time I experienced media that told a story like that. Like, I, you know, and I'm, and I'm sure there's more in other countries, other places, and I've seen other queer media that has done that, but it really stands out to me as a really kind of unique narrative, even now, you know, like you said, almost 40 years later in how non-judgmental it is about Vivian's fear and, Kay's fear, you know, Kay is kind of presented as this, like, out, you know, outwardly more carefree, expressive yeah. about her, you know, her attraction to women. Um, and, you know, Vivian's the complete opposite. It's really not until almost, you know, three fourths of the way into the film that they finally actually come together. Uh, but, you know, it really always stuck with me, even as I've like watched more queer media desert hearts really stands out to me as kind of like you said one of those seminal works and just a unique portrayal of what it's like to be in that headspace to be afraid of this knowledge that you've discovered about yourself and and letting it play out yeah a lot of what you're saying really resonates 
with me. And, you know, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not someone that like, watch, you know, I, I don't have the same experience with this movie that you did in the sense of like, I watched it when I was, you know, m- longer out of the closet. And, but still I felt the like, uh, the trepidation and the anxiety and the, um, just like that, like nervousness, that shyness, that sort of like fear, um, really, uh, resonated with me even still. Um, and I really appreciated that this movie was so respectful of this journey and, and it took its time, even for such a short movie, that's like 90, 92 minutes. (laughs) Like it feels like it actually takes its time and, it lets this like attraction develop very organically and it also lets the you know the the barriers that have to come down in this movie they come down very authentically and nothing feels rushed um and i think it's because like donna deitch has or deitch or deitch whatever she um i feel like she has a very steady hand over her characters and um i i find that it's uh, i mean it's such a moving film and and i really respect her um just like the care that she has over these characters and um just like how much there's uh just like how this movie is very free from a lot of the trappings that I think modern queer movies have um, in regarding like coming out or experiencing these things for the first time. Um, Because of Vivian, even if she's, you know, in the closet or just discovering something about herself, like she's, I think it's like more so that like her character is just naturally very, guarded and very mm-hmm. um closed off and i think she was like that or she's been like that in all of her relationships and this was the first time that someone was able to like break through that and how ha- and it's this and it's Kay who's very free but also has her own insecurities and also i mean that's one thing that i loved about this rewatch is like how much Kay isn't that like stereotypical you know I, th- I think that like the name of this like on like sites like TV Trub they call like a closet key, <laughs> you know, or something like it's like some phrase like that where it's like yeah. you know the, the character that like brings the main character out of the closet or whatever. Um, I, she's not that like typical one where like she's like free and open and I mean she is all those things, but she has you know she's also a three dimensional character who's on her own journey and also figuring things out for herself and i appreciate that this film is really careful with this dynamic and presents it as very in a very like nuanced and compelling fashion without any easy kind of answers or easy tricks or something or things like that yeah i i totally agree i think uh case friendship with silver especially is a really interesting portrayal of queer friendship in that they clearly kind of have like a friends with benefits thing going on and silver's partner joe he you know clearly has some sense of like this friendship relationship situation but is not bothered by it and silver is genuinely happy for Kay and the choices that she makes and i think too that it's like not a secret, like Kay's orientation and, and the relationships she, she chooses to pursue, like, you know, her half brother um, is like, how you get all that action with no equipment? I have no idea. You know, there's <laughs> there's so many like lines there. I thought yeah. there was like, a funny line. And it's like, it's an open secret. It's not even a secret. It, it's so interesting the way that queerness is discussed, even just within the, the landscape. And, you know, Francis, doesn't accept Kay, but she also it, it's like really not about like stopping her or like you know putting a, a judgment on like who she is as a person it's like a personal struggle that she has and it's clearly kind of tangled into all the other complicated feelings she has about glenn and so it's it's not like francis the homophobic mom figure who wants to keep Kay from having you know being with the person she loves like it's it's nuanced and layered and I, I appreciate that because in real life like, it is often also that complicated. It's really yeah. not that simple. And yeah. I also like that 
you know, Vivian being uptight, like again, like the kind of like archetype of like the uptight person, like you can, you can tell there's something simmering there, just kind of like similarly, like, like the, the, the chemistry that's between them as soon as she arrives is like clearly visible to everybody. And so it's kind of like, oh, like these two are going to have a thing and everyone like realizes like there's some tension there. I appreciate that the the film kind of acknowledges that like it's not operating within a bubble, but like the full context of like the two of them interacting with each other and then everybody else watching the two of them interact. Like mm-hmm. I, I find that dimensionality very interesting given that it's a period piece and it, it almost reads a bit like a fantasy in some ways because yeah. like, there's the happy ending, but it also has that realism, which like keeps me from um, having any cognitive dissonance, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the relationship between Kay and Francis is so interesting to me because it's like, it's like there's like, like the Wikipedia page is like she's dismayed by Kay's lesbianism or something like that. I'm just like, yeah. it's just so funny that they like the word dismay. I think is just like uh, it's it's funny to use. It's funny to me in that context, but it 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 does feel accurate that it's just sort of like it's not this like staunch disapproval. It's not this you know like rejection, but it's just like it's it's. It, I feel like it's the fear of like what um you know like what is the like what's like life going to be like for you if this is your identity if this is who you are in 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 where they are you know like the scene when they come back the scene when Kay and Vivian come back in the morning and Francis essentially kicks um Vivian out of the ranch house it's like you know um Francis I, I feel like highlights like there's talk now of the two of them and like they because they left the party the night before um and it's like to me that like the the fear of the talk is more um is more kind of driving her motivations more so than like you know like because i think if she were like more actively homophobic or more like um like just disapproving or rejecting of k i think it would be more of like she would take more like action to like i think stop or to like you know rather than just being like look people are talking and that resonates with me as well because I I think that like when I was first starting to come out you know my my parents I mean they're South Asian okay how very brown I know (laughs) it's very yeah exactly like it's so it's so brown to be like what are people gonna say and you know my, my parents were very much like you know, they're like, people might talk or it might be a little hard, but also like, they're very supportive. So I, you know, it's, I'm not saying they were like Francis much at all, but there was that concern. And, and I think it's a really powerful one, especially, you know, already the, this is such a like, um, this, this like ranch house already exists sort of like outside the patriarchy because it's like this like mm-hmm. place for like women seeking divorce from men. <laughs> so it's like already there's this like, you know, maybe there's like a target or something on their backs. And then now to have this whole thing come, is just like a lot, a lot to put onto this, onto this ranch house, but it's a really interesting dynamic. And um, did you ever watch like three's company when you were younger mm-hmm. um, or did your parents ever watch it? Because my parents were like huge, huge fans of three's company. Like they still watch it. I think like my dad was watching it on like the queer channel. <laughs> like logo or whatever because they show reruns of, of three's company there so he watches on that and i'm like i don't know if you know like the channels so for, funny. for gay people um but you know francis was played by the great audra lindley who of course was many seasons on three's company as mrs roper like so it's just like very i mean this is like year a few years after she left the show um and uh, it's just funny to see like this, like, you know, very sitcom for me, like a very a sitcom actress who I see and like, she was famous for these like very like garish, um, like captains and like her character was like, she was always like very like sexually frustrated with her husband who was like constantly like reject her or not reject her, but just like was so preoccupied with like other things. And just, yeah. He never like the joke was that he just never had time for her. And she was always trying to like, seduced him or to be with him or to like have like romantic times with him 
like to like go out with him and stuff and he was always just like you know um like um he was always so preoccupied with like what his tenants were doing which like the yeah that's like so like it's just funny to see her in this role um not funny but just sort of like you you forget like when i think back to these like sitcom actors from like the 70s and 80s and 90s i forget they had like careers outside of the sitcom and i just look right. at them as like oh right like you were like i was like i just think of them as their character and that's like oh right you like had your own career and for her to like you know i don't know what her star power was like in 1985 but for like someone to like take on to like a, a name actor to like be in this movie i feel like very um it feels very uh like it feels it's like cool that she like lent her you know whatever cachet she had to this movie yeah i didn't know that that's really interesting yeah um three's company is also like it's it's iconic like queer show kind of because it's about this like guy who moves in the straight guy who moves in with these two women and he has to pretend to be gay so that he doesn't get kicked out by the landlords, which is like Audrey Lindley's character and her husband are the landlords. Um, so it's very, it's a very funny show, um, at least for its time. But yeah, it almost feels intentional. Like if she was a landlord in that show, it's kind of like yeah, right, weirdly a nod to that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree, and um, you know, I feel like you know, casting is. Um, you know, I feel like the casting is perfect for what you're saying and how, like, you know, she was very, like, she was, like, the liberal one on that show in, in her marriage, and her husband was the more, like, conservative one. And so, I, yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's a nod to, like, you know, having to deal with, like, you know, queer people in her house or in her building. <laughs> um, what... Um, what are some of your favorite like moments in the film or like scenes that really stand out for you? So I love all the kind of one-on-one conversations that happen between Vivian and Kay that kind of establish how much kind of synergy they have in terms of thought process, even though they come from different places. And, you know, the first time they really kind of bond is when, uh, Vivian is coming in the middle of the night to have some tea and Kay's like trying to empty out the fridge. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, she turns on the light and Vivian's like, no, please turn the light off. She's like, okay, you know, and basically she's like, you know, like I'm here if you need you, right? If you need me, right? Like I'm I'm in the cottage. And uh Vivian goes, You're gonna make me cry. And Kay goes, No, I'm gonna make you some tea. Um, like that's <laughs> that's a really cute line. Yeah. And First time I think we see Vivian smile, like active, actually smile. Um, And it's like from that point on, you know, I love the one-on-one scenes that they have. Um, You know, there's another one that follows when they're walking uh, the horses and they're talking about Kay's artistic ambitions because she is kind of hiding out in Reno. Is not really, um, you know... um, pursuing her ambitions even though she's a sculptor she's just in this little cottage and she asks vivian you know have you realized all your ambitions and vivian goes no just my plans and i think that's such an interesting line because kind of takes me back to the beginning where she's like i left this stable marriage because i was so tired of being this person that I was. And so yeah. there's just, again, so many layers there. And I, and later on in that same conversation, it's, um, you know, so like, what do you, you know, why do you stay in that cottage? So it's like, well, I mean, I'm hiding out. So what are you hiding from? You know, anything that scares me. And yeah. given how kind of tight the film is, like the number of kind of meaningful conversations they're able to fit in there, it was really satisfying to me because like by the time that they finally kiss and I love that kiss scene, you know, when Vivian's just sitting there and it's like, it's like two seconds after her saying, you know, I'm not gay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just like bet, you know, yeah, like, right. <laughs> roll down the window, roll down the window and, yeah. and she kisses her and she kisses her back. Um, you know, that, and like the, the scene where they, um make love in the hotel room i just love like i feel like those were 
you know, I hadn't seen the film in a while, but like, I remembered those two scenes very clearly and like, you know, beat for beat, just like how thoughtful and quiet and intimate it is. I just, I love, I love how careful and, you know, tender the framing is for those scenes. It's so quiet and it really just draws you in. Yeah. Um, I agree. Um, I really want to talk about the sex scene because, um, I feel like with queer movies, I I tend to notice the sex scenes more just because they're, you know, we get so few, you know, queer movies in general and then like queer sex scenes. I I feel like there's always like some kind of like, I don't know, they always feel like political or more like or daring just because it's so like still so like taboo. Um, And now sex scenes are even more like they're dying out. So it's even more like, Mm -hmm. you know, rare. Um, but I, I love this one because well, one of my favorite shots in the film is is in that hotel, um, you know, with Vivian like in her in her robe, and she kind of turns around, and Kay is just like suddenly naked on the bed. And, yes, like it's such a like um, it's such a great shot because like it's it's a surprise to the audience. We don't see her disrobe, and it's clearly like okay, let's just put it out there that this is what we both want to do, even if we, even if, like, Vivian doesn't know she wants to do it, or or she's trying to deny it or refuse it. It's like, she wants to. And then, you know, she says, like, I'm I'm, I'm not going to take my robe off. And Kate has this great line of, like, everyone has their limits. Has to draw the line somewhere. Has to draw the line somewhere. Which is such a, like, I found it to be a really sexy, like, very, like, confident line of, like, yeah um and uh and the sex scene is just so beautiful because it's sexy and erotic but it's also filled with this like anticipation and the way that donna deitch films it is so like um it's so it's so loving it's so there's so much anticipation and build up and even the like i was for, for, i was watching this on like my like cousin's television <laughs> And uh, he, like, of course, has this, like, really great sound setup. And um, just, like, I was noticing the, like, clicking and clacking of, like, the lips and the bodies. And yeah, and just, like, it just felt, like, very, like, it as, like, as erotic and sexy as it was, it, it didn't feel, like, sensational. And, like, I know, like, it, it felt very just, like, real. And, like, how, like, sex can just be between two people. And it's not, like you know, like the lighting isn't all that romantic and there's no like soft music and it's, there's no like um, gratuitous angles just felt very like real. And um, I appreciated that. It wasn't like that, like Vivian, as much as she's like, she's enjoying, you know, of course she's enjoying it. You know, it's, but it's also, she's also very nervous. And I, I felt that nervousness was very palpable in the film. And, um, and I appreciate that as well because I I find that like no one is ever 100% confident when they're having sex, you know, in real life. And I don't like how in movies sometimes it's like let's just be totally like free and sexy and stuff. I'm like that's just not realistic. So I yeah, appreciate like we that. We're doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly, right. And so I appreciated that Vivian was also a little scared and Kay was too and that there's just that nervousness like i remember telling my um boyfriend i'm like i he's i'm like i'm just always nervous when we when we have sex because like um it's it's vulnerable and you know like even though like i know i mean this is not just true with him but like in the past or whatever like i know you're attracted to me because you're here and we're doing this but like i still feel nervous like being this open with you and 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 i appreciated that this film really um this this film really depicted that with like an honesty and authenticity and it you know as something that only a you know a queer filmmaker a lesbian filmmaker can portray accurately i think yeah i i agree they i when i in my rewatch like the cut to k topless and grinning like i laughed i was like oh yes i forgot how like quickly this pivots because vivian's all up in her head she's like when I retire, I will write a short story as my revenge yeah. about this town. And and then <laughs> she turns around and Kay's just like, and she's like, oh God, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's just the humor of it, you know, the, the humor and the sweetness. Yeah. Um, and I love that they establish after, you know, like half, like halfway through the scene, uh, Vivian goes, I don't usually feel this way at 11 o'clock in the morning. And so we know it's like, it's not a sexy time of day. It's right. like, 11 a.m. Yeah. And then she goes, I don't know if I've ever felt this way before. And then it cuts to like clearly like the evening. They're like, we should leave this room at some point. Go, yeah. get, a, go window <laughs> go get, shopping. Go get a, a Coke. Yeah. Window shopping was great. They've been there for hours at that yeah. point. And you're just yeah. like, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's, and like, um, I just, yeah, their chemistry is just so sweet to me because, because like like as I was saying, like the film like takes its time to build its chemistry. Like, I was surprised how late in the film that this sex scene comes. For some reason, I thought it was much much sooner in my memory, and I was like, yeah, this movie takes its time, and like, um, it really like, and then when they have that, you know, when it's that like fade to like four hours later or maybe probably more like eight hours later it's like you feel that like this like catharsis of emotion and it's like yeah we need to like you know go back to the real world um and do these very like mundane normal things um i um Another sequence I really like in the film is like this montage set to Patsy Klein's Crazy. Um, and uh, it's just like, it's very early in the film. It's kind of like, I guess, towards the maybe like the maybe it's like in the middle, but uh, there's just like a shot of like Kay driving with like the lights behind her. And um, I, I don't know, I just thought it was so beautiful. It's such a beautiful song. Um, and like one of like the like um i think like one of the like iconic hits in country music of the era um and you know patsy klein of course is like she is was a very um a, a force in country music for her time i think one of the, like the most popular female vocalists and of course unfortunately she died like uh in the early 60s when she was like in her 30s or maybe early 40s oh, wow. so she's very yeah she's very young one of those like careers cut short, but still had such a major impact on music. Um, and it's such a lovely song. Um, and I just like love that little montage. Um, and um, yeah, it's a really, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, this, this movie is just so good. Um, I, I, I just love it. Um, I wanted to talk about the cinematography of this movie, which was uh, done by. Robert Ellswit, uh, famous now for working with Paul Thomas Anderson, you know, on Magnolia and There Will Be Blood, and um, also worked on, like, you know, Nightcrawler, and, um, uh, like, I think he shot, like, Dud Apatow's Pete Davidson movie. Like, he's had a career all over the place. Uh, yeah, but, it is a long You know, but I think he did, like, michael clayton and yeah so he's like you know he's one of the great cinematographers i think desert heart was like one of his first major um uh films that he did and uh i love like you know for a movie called desert hearts like this movie makes great amazing use of the desert and just like these like wide vistas the like the lighting of like the sun and you know the sunsets and and at night it's just so beautiful and then like um as the relationship starts to develop i think the film becomes more intimate like the camera work becomes more intimate and there's these like beautiful close-ups of um of vivian and Kay in the film and i just I, you know i was watching the movie and i was like wow the cinematography is really beautiful like i, I wonder who it was and of course it's like this oscar winning like <laughs> cinematographer at the beginning of his career but um i i you know i don't know his i don't know his orientation um but i you know so i don't want to speak to that too much but it did feel like oh you have this like cis male cinematographer making this like iconic you know lesbian film or queer film like it felt very like his camera at least to me felt very like um respectful and loving and, and not at all like you know leering or 
or anything like that, even with this like very intense sex scene. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to bring up the cinematography because it's like, you know, such a great, um, such a great piece of work from him in early in his career. Yeah, I really kind of felt the thoughtfulness and it, it felt like he and, and Donna were very much in tune with what was you know, trying to be conveyed in, across the screen. You know, I really um, enjoyed the shot when, you know, like Kay is being introduced and, you know, she's driving backwards and, you know, it's just like swooping past. Um, yeah. And then the scenes that are very tight, like the kiss scene in, you know, the window, like just like the blocking of it yeah. where we're seeing kind of Vivian kind of like curled over and Kay's like knocking on the window and the way it comes together, it feels very natural. And all of the things you said about the lighting and the softness, you know, I've never, I've never been to the desert. Um, and I, I could feel the heat. I could feel just the environment in mm -hmm. a way that felt very real. Um, but also very beautiful. It felt kind of painterly almost. And it drew me in. Um, I love I love the night scenes. I'd, I'd say probably my favorite is how he lights the night scenes, you know, yeah. um, especially after, you know, after they have sex and they go to dinner and um, have that argument, realizing that Vivian's going back to New York. Um, and she's like, I'm going to walk back the 12 miles. Uh, and And they talk about, you know, what is it an honest issue or something false issue false issue yeah yeah um kind of recalling how she's mad that she was accused of being a lesbian when she thinks she's not but she is and just the i the first thought in my head in that scene in the car is like oh look it's the bisexual lighting <laughs> like yeah. it would have been way before <laughs> that was the term but it was like the the red and the the blue and the purple all mixing together and i was like oh my gosh this is like literally like that coloring that we see in other films whether intentional or not when did bisexual lighting start or like when that like when the term? like, the, like the, yeah because i remember hearing about it with um i think it was danelle monet's music video i feel like that's the first time i heard about it too it was like several years ago yeah um, like the way you make me feel um yeah yeah um, and since then it's just kind of become part of like the terminology people use whether they like mean for it to actually be intentional or not yeah um and uh i but uh, yeah, I I really I really like that scene as well. It was so funny because like I love to like walk and I'm always like counting my steps. And so when she was like, "I'm going to walk 12 miles," I was like, "How long would that take me?" Because like so you know, it takes me like um, I think I I could, I do about 108 steps per minute. So I'm like 12 miles is usually about like I would say a mile for me is usually like about. 3,000 steps. So I was figured it'd be take about four hours and be about 25,000 steps. And I was like, you know, I would love to just do that and see if I could make it. <laughs> but, yeah, I know. I can like walk like three miles in an hour. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. Well, then yeah, yeah, like about four yeah. hours of just walking. Uh, <laughs> so um, that I was like, you know, look, I, I feel like you could act that 12 miles to walk sounds crazy, but I feel like you could actually do it. Um, Oh yeah, it's... but um, I, yeah, it's a very funny. I love that scene of just like the two of them fighting, and because like it felt comical of like they're both like getting out of the car, being like, "I'm gonna walk," and then she's like, "I'll walk." This is very funny. And then neither walks. My yeah. my other favorite line from that argument was uh, Vivian saying, "Does it have to unravel this quickly?" And yeah. Kay goes, "Comes with the territory," and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is like every <laughs> lesbian argument." <laughs> You fall hard and then you fall out of heart. Love yeah, hard. right. Of course, yeah. they like stayed in love. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, what I love about the ending um, is the like the promise of like, I'll stay with you until the next station or something. And like, I like that because I love an ending that's like, uh, you know, we're in this now and like, but it's not like they like get married or they like the yeah. ending isn't that like they like move in together or something like that. It's like they're together until the next station with the implication that like, yeah, that's, you know, until the next one, until the next one. But 
I like this sort of like ellipsis ending where, you know, because it's like just because they get together and like within the like time frame of the film doesn't mean they're going to stay together forever. Um, but they're like, it's like committing to each other for now and in this moment and um, hoping for the future instead of being like, we're together forever and now we're just going to like live. And I, I find that ending to be a little bit more like, it feels a little bit more like um, real, not realistic, but just like, it just feels a little bit Feasible, more yeah, doable. Yeah. Like, like, it like feels more, you know, hopeful, hopeful. And, and it feels like this isn't some fairy tale romance. You know, even yeah. though it's very much like, you know, it does have that quality of like being a little aspirational or being like, this is something that like, it's a very romantic movie, but it doesn't feel like it's, you know, promising and, and it's promising more than it, it feels capable of promising. And I appreciate that because it feels more like, yeah, like achievable and doable. Yeah. I think, yeah, I agree. I think the not promising more than it's capable of promising is what makes it such an effective ending because like all that's being offered is just the offer of time and companionship. And Vivian's just straight up like, you deserve to be near someone who sees you as you are. And that's like, that's kind of giving Kay the autonomy to pursue her dreams. Uh, Vivian's not making a claim upon her which is, you know, very unlike how Francis was exhibiting her love, which was like, you are mine, you know, even though there's like no real right that she has to claim. And so even that in itself is a loving act that, you know, also feels very queer in that, like, I don't own you, you own yourself. We are choosing to spend time together because we like being around each other. Um, But there's like no you know, there's no expectations. I'm just yeah. holding out my hand and hoping that you spend another 40 minutes with me, which is just so lovely, honestly, as a way to kind of cap off the narrative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally agree. I, I love that phrasing of like, spend the next 40 minutes with me. Cause it's like, what if life were just a series of like 40 minutes? And it's like, you have to like, conti- I mean, I feel like relationships are like continually you know, making promises for each other and like recommitting. Like, it's not like, you know, you, even if you like, even getting married, isn't like, I mean, it's like not really a, like no one can really commit to being together forever just because you never know where life's going to take you. But like, I feel like this as a series of recommitments to me, that sounds more romantic than, you know, okay, she's getting on the train, they're going to live together in New York and, you know, yeah, I don't know. I I just find that to be I I love the ending, and I I love that this movie like doesn't leave the desert. Um, that's something that I really appreciate. That like we don't really see Vivian in her life before. We don't yeah. see what happens after the movie. There's no like cutting back to her husband or her ex husband, um, being like, "I need you to come home." Like, forget this divorce. Like, you know, like I I like that. It's just like it's very it contained. There. Yeah, exactly. Um, another scene I really like, which I think was really funny, is um, I think it's a character, uh, Gwen, and they're sitting outside, and um, she and Vivian are just talking about Kay, and it's like, oh, it takes all kinds or, or something, and then Vivian's oh, like, I, think, I don't um, think, is that? I don't think that was Gwen. That was uh, uh, Lucille. Lucille, right? Um, and she's like, uh, or Vivian has a really great line of like, I don't think either of us will be missed. Yeah. Or something. That's really funny. I mean, this movie, like, um, I, this movie is like one that, like, as I watch it more, like, I'm finding these more, like, comedic parts to it. Cause I think when I first saw it, like, it was very funny, I guess, but I thought of it more as, like, a romantic drama or something. And then now yeah. it's like, I feel like the comedy feels very, like, observed and very just, like, character based. And, uh, it's a lot of just really, like, sharp dialogue but yeah i really love that line of like either of us won't be missed or something yeah i love because it's like clearly at that point everyone knows that vivian and Kay are close friends and lucille is off having her little affair with one of like the farm hands and she's like yeah this guy's been helping me forget you know all the troubles and you know that's when vivian's like oh yeah i know what you mean i'm like really close with Kay, and lucille's like well i don't know about the queers and Vivian's like, well, you know, no one really cares about you or me either. So yeah. <laughs> thanks for sharing your opinion. Yeah. And it's, she's so polite about it, but it's like so cutting. And I appreciate that. Like, she just does not 
take the insults. Like she always very politely kind of claps back. And I, I love that about her character because there's this assumption that she's like super proper and like, well, like certain things. And every time she's like, no, like I don't have a problem with it. Like, do you like, it sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I find Vivian to be a ever more fascinating character. The more that I think about her because I think both these characters are so much more nuanced than the archetypes might suggest. Like, as you're saying, like, she's not some, like, you know, shrinking violet character who needs to be, like, taught how to live. You know, she has, a, she has a sharp tongue. She has her own opinions. I mean, I also forget that, like, she's, you know, a few years or 10 years older than, um, than Kay is. Um, which I think is kind of an interesting twist in the dynamic as well, because I, I feel like in in a lot of these, like, you know, like first queer romance, either they're both very young or it's, um, you know, an older queer person kind of like, you know, introducing a younger person into like what it means to be queer or their first relationship or something. And uh, I appreciated the, the reversal there. And um that you know vivian can be it's it's an interesting look at someone who is rediscovering themselves even at the age of i mean i think she's like 30 35 yeah she's um, 35 so like having like someone kind of rediscover themselves even at an age where they think they have it all figured out i think it's a cool twist on this like coming of age type story yeah i agree especially like being 33 and like you know it almost feels like I'm experiencing a second adolescence, you know, like, obviously for me, there's like the level of being like non-binary. So like the trans experience is very much like I didn't get to have this because I didn't know it was possible. But for her, it's like, I didn't even, like, I was like in this box. And so now I'm like, you know, what do I even want? Like, she doesn't even fully know what she wants, but she does know what she doesn't want. Yeah. And that's just a very interesting, it just, lens through which she's approaching life it's like she's open to new experiences but she's just cautious about them like she's not even afraid she's just cautious like she wants to like think before she does something yeah yeah uh yeah this idea of the second adolescence i think is something that comes up a lot when i talk about like queer movies or like queer experiences it's definitely true I, I feel like i'm constantly like eight years behind my straight friends of like yeah where they are in their careers and in their relationships and in their life journeys and their milestones. And it's like, yeah, it feels like I'm, I, I just saw, I just saw them like uh, about a week ago, um, like my old friends from grad school and they're like buying houses and having kids and going on these vacations. And I'm like, I'm just behind you doing, and I just about to start doing this stuff, but like, yeah, it's just it's just funny to think about, and I mean, everyone has their own journey, and and but I think the the queerness aspect, and you know, and I, the queerness aspect, I think, brings a, a lot of more complexity to kind of everyone being on their own journeys. Yeah, and like you know, Kay Kay has been really free about like pursuing who she loves, and like very upfront with. Um, Daryl, I think the guy is who like keeps wanting to be with her. She's like, mm-hmm. I already told you like why I don't want to be with you. Like, please accept that. But even, you know, even despite the fact that she's like more comfortable in her skin, so to speak, she doesn't really know when she's going to find that person. And so it, it, like you said, that reversal is so interesting because Vivian is just discovering herself now. Kay already knows who she is, maybe, but like the aspect of finding each other and then like defining what that means um, has to be so interesting. And I'd I'd like that they don't go into that because it's obviously going to be very different for someone who was married for 12 years and is like just threw that out the window versus someone who like has never really been in a committed relationship because of the circumstances of the time and like how she would have had to operate. Um, but it acknowledges that that complexity is there. Like it's, it's never fully a fairy tale. Like we know that that layer is always going to be there, but it doesn't ruin like the story and the here and now it just adds yeah. to the, the depth around it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's just it's, it's so um, you know it's. I I think this movie has such a like as I, as we were saying earlier, it has such a like firm handle on its characters and and its themes and um, all these things feel so like carefully, um, you know, carefully laid out. I mean, I never read the novel that it was based on, but um, I'd be curious to. Um, because I feel like there's only there's so much potential for to dig even even deeper, and I, I think this film really captures these characters quite you know well. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at the career of Donna Deitch. Um, you know, this was her only kind of major film that she made, and of course, she worked in she's worked in TV. You know, on a lot of you know, you know, a lot of major shows like Bones and Heroes and, you know, Grey's Anatomy. She would do, like, episodes here and there of these, like, major shows, but I think Desert Heart is um, her only, like, kind of notable film, and it's just, like, it's too bad because she's, of course, extremely talented, and this film is so gorgeous and thoughtful and sexy and romantic and funny. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a classic, it's a classic movie in general, and then also, you know, it's important queer work, important lesbian work. Um, and I, I just like, it makes me so annoyed and angry that, you know, this didn't catapult her into, you know, superstardom. Um, and I I wish she would kind of come back. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I didn't even, like, I didn't realize, I mean, it makes sense that she's older, but like, I didn't realize she was 78. Yeah. And- that like makes me so sad because like I've seen you know there's different places she said she was going to do a sequel to Desert Hearts, she was going to do um, another story um, that was based on um, another nonfiction book, and it, I kind of think it just goes to show how difficult it is for kind of marginalized filmmakers to get yeah. funding because yeah. you know like like the dudes from Game of Thrones like they were they got like what like 170 million to like learn on set and it took her seven years to finance two million to make this film and then in 40 years she still hasn't made another feature like it just you know it's amazing when people are able to create works like this and then it's just really upsetting that they're not able to continue creating a body of work that furthers their vision because who knows what else we could have seen if she'd had an easier time kind of getting things financed and and made yeah, I mean, like, I mean, she's already almost forty years old, you know, when this movie comes comes out, and she was in, yeah, in her like mid thirties as she started to as she started to like finance it, and it's just like so, like, um, it's just crazy to think about that and that, like, she, like, I mean, she has to confront so many different, you know, isms within the industry, like ageism, sexism, well, I guess like homophobia is not an ism in the traditional sense, but like it's, yeah. um, you know, like she has to confront all these different things and like that she did that made this like classic, iconic, influential film that, you know, has influenced directors of all orientations and genders. And, you know, like we, Paul Thomas Anderson's whole career would be different without Robert Ellswood in this movie and without the work that he and Donna Deitch did together. You know, yeah. like if you just think about that, like that's just crazy to me, you know, um like so much is owed to this movie and, and to her work um i just really and how like i mean when you think about it like so many there's so many like uh, like young guys who can get a movie like this made like in a year and when they're like, like 20 you know <laughs> like yeah, that annoying yeah. guy that did that um that movie with uh dakota dakota johnson um i'm like he's like 12 years old and he's like already like this like hot director that everyone's on the lookout for and I'm like Donna Deitch was someone that did something even more groundbreaking and even more iconic and like I don't know what she's doing now I mean I know she yeah. she's I'm sure she's got a lot of money from her TV work but like you know she's also in her 70s and we also have so many auteurs in their 70s still making work and I'm like Let's get her like some of that Scorsese three hundred thousand million dollars, yeah. you know. Like let's let's get some of that dough over to her so she can like yeah make exactly. Cool. Um, but you know that's just you know that's just me on my soapbox. But it's just like it's it's upsetting to see like you know 
this potential kind of wasted um, on shows like Bones and Grey's Anatomy, where I'm not sure how much her creative freedom she could get. Um, and, uh, you know, but we do have this amazing film and uh, that I guess we should be, you know, thankful for that. At least that she got that $2 million in seven years, you were saying. Yeah. So, um, and even like the actors in this movie, like, I know Helen Shaver, like, she's a director in, in her own right. I, I think she's still doing television. Um, so, like, these people had careers after, but, you know, it's it just it sucks that this movie feels more like a flash in the pan, like, right place, right time. It all came together, and then we couldn't replicate that that magic. I mean, it like kind of reminds me of like other flash in the pan films, you know, like a bend at like Beckham yeah. at the time, you know, like Monsoon Wedding. If you're talking about more brown films, like it just it, it, they're so far apart, you know. And then like for East Asian community, it was um, what is it, Joy Luck Club? Like, yeah. And after that, it was Crazy Rich Asians. Like decades later, like it's it's like one film for a couple decades, and then another one instead of like let's have this be a foundation and every year we like make another one like it that's the ideal situation but that's not how it's panned out and yeah yeah it's you know um it's sad yeah it's just like i get really annoyed when i think about like how these like representational milestone movies have so much pressure on them i mean yeah. that's something that i've talked about on the in this miniseries especially as i'm talking about like queer films like um, you know, there's so much pressure to be everything to everyone. And, uh, you know, I think, um, I, I just think it's unfair. And, and I, I, you know, I mean, I, I know like there's, you know, um, I know that like there are a lot of amazing, you know, lesbian filmmakers, um, or like queer filmmakers out there who are doing work like this, but, I think Donna Deitch had something really special with Desert Hearts and it's something that like, you know, I mean, I'd love to, I don't, I don't know if I would love to see her do a sequel, but I would love to see her do something. Yeah. And, you know, maybe something with like, you know, also characters in their seventies to see what that's like and to like oh, yeah. really create, you know, really do another, she, I mean, I think even at, you know, I think even now, I think if she were to make a film now, it would be like really anticipated and hyped and, and celebrated. Um, so if she's listening to this, you know, let's <laughs> let's figure out a way to, to make it happen, you know, or if anyone with any power is listening to this. Agreed. Um, do you have any kind of final thoughts on the film or anything you want to bring up that we didn't get a chance to touch upon? I think we covered off on most of it. You know, I, I think just the the open heartedness and honesty of the film is really kind of what makes it stand apart to me. And, you know, it's such a genuine story that you can tell it was told with love. Like, I think, you know, no matter what happens, it, it's always going to have a spot in the queer film lexicon for that reason and deserved like, I would love for way more people to see it. You know, I have other queer filmmaker friends who had never heard of it until I told them. And I, you know, I just would love for it to get, a, you know, a second win. You know, I don't know, go viral on TikTok or something. Just like, I, I feel like more people deserve to know about this film. It's a seminal film, but, you know, not hyped this the same way I believe it deserves to be. You yeah. know, it, it belongs right up there with the queer movies the mainstream knows about like Brokeback Mountain like just you know it, it should be a film that people talk about more I feel like yeah I totally agree um it's uh yeah it's it's a really special film and I'm really glad that I got the chance to watch it again and I could talk to you about it um and really glad to have you on the podcast um uh, please tell listeners where they can find you, what you're working on, and how they can keep up with kind of what kind of what you're doing. Yeah, so um, my website is priyankabose.net, and then you can find me on Twitter at uh, Ms. Priyankabose. That's M-S, and then my full name. Um, I'm working on a novel these days, so um, have I written any kind of culture writing recently? But I've got a lot of cool clips about, you know, uh, queer characters and TV and film um, that you can find on my site. And then, you know, cross your fingers for me that I can get this book done and yeah. get it out in the world. 
yes. Uh, definitely will, uh, you know, send out all the good vibes and good wishes and, and everything for that. Um, I'm sure it'll all come together. Uh, yeah, please follow Priyanka. They are an amazing follow on Twitter and just someone who's a lot of fun and interesting um, and yeah, really excited for um, for your novel and I, I, I sincerely am wishing the best for, for that because I, I know it's it's tough to write and then to also do the legwork of making it, you know, getting it published. So um, really, really excited about that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vertigate314. Also follow the podcast at it had to be you. Uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Um, next, next episode, it's going to be Christmas in June, talking about Carol, um, another iconic, you know, lesbian film. Um, so I'm, I'm really, really excited about that as well. Um, Priyanka, thank you for being here, and listeners, thanks so much for listening. All right, thanks, Manish.